This story is also an audio version on the Dugout Diary podcast by Joe Bosch. Here's a reprint of the shot heard around the world story by Red Smith, Miracle of Coogan's Bluff published in the New York Herald Tribune, October 4, 1951. By Red Smith. Now it is done. Now the story ends. And there is no way to tell it. The art of fiction is dead. Reality has strangled invention. Only the utterly impossible, the inexpressibly fantastic, can ever be plausible again. Down on the green and white and earth-brown geometry of the playing field, a drunk tries to break through the ranks of ushers marshaled along the foul lines to keep profane feet off the diamond. The ushers thrust him back and he lunges at them, struggling in the clutch of two or three men. He breaks free and four or five tackle him. He shakes them off, bursts through the line, runs head-on into a special part cop who brings him down with a flying tackle. Here comes a whole platoon of ushers. They lift the man and haul him, twisting and kicking, back across the first base line. Again he shakes loose and crashes the line. He is away, weaving out toward center field where cheering thousands are jammed beneath the windows of the Giants clubhouse. At heart, our man is a giant, too. He never gave up. From center field comes burst upon burst of cheering. Pennants are waving, uplifted fists are brandished, hats are flying. Again and again, the dark clubhouse windows blaze with the light of photographers' flashbulbs. Here comes that same drunk out of the mob, back across the green turf to the infield. Coattails flying, he runs the bases, slides into third. Nobody bothers him now. And the story remains to be told, the story of how the Giants won the 1951 pennant in the National League. The tale of their barreling run through August and September into October, on the final day of the season when they won the championship and started home with it from Boston, to hear on the train how the dead, defeated Dodgers had risen from the ashes in the Philadelphia twilight, of the three-game playoff in which they won, and lost and were losing again with one out in the ninth inning yesterday when, oh, why bother? Maybe this is the way to tell it, Bobby Thompson, a young Scot from Staten Island, delivered a timely hit yesterday in the ninth inning of an enjoyable game of baseball before 34,320 witnesses in the polo grounds. Or perhaps this is better. Well, said Whitey Lockman, standing on second base in the second inning of yesterday's playoff game between the Giants and Dodgers. Ah, there, said Bobby Thompson, pulling into the same station after hitting a ball to left field. How've you been? Fancy, Lockman said, meeting you here. Oops, Thompson said. Sorry. And the Giants' first chance for a big inning against Don Newcomb disappeared as they tagged him out. Up in the press section, the voices of Willie Goodrich came over the amplifiers announcing a macabre statistic, Thompson has now hit safely in 15 consecutive games. Just then the floodlights were turned on, enabling the Giants to see and count their runners on each base. It wasn't funny, though, because it seemed for so long that the Giants weren't going to get another chance like the one Thompson squandered by trying to take second base with a playmate already there. They couldn't hit Newcomb and the Dodgers couldn't do anything wrong. Sal Magley's most splendorous pitching would avail nothing unless New York could match the run Brooklyn had scored in the first inning. The story was winding up, and it wasn't the happy ending which such a tale demands. Poetic justice was a phrase without meaning. Now it was the seventh inning and Thompson was up with runners on first and third, none out. Pitching a shutout in Philadelphia last Saturday night, pitching again in Philadelphia on Sunday, holding the Giants scoreless this far, Newcomb had now gone 21 innings without allowing a run. He threw four strikes to Thompson. Two were fouled off out of play. Then he threw a fifth. Thompson's fly scored Monty Irvin. The score was tied. It was a new ball game. Wait a moment, though. Here's Pee Wee Reese hitting safely in the eighth. Here's Duke Snyder singling Reese to third. 
Here's Magley, while pitching a run home. Here's Andy Pafko slashing a hit through Thompson for another score. Here's Billy Cox batting still another home. Where does his hit go? Where else? Through Thompson at third. So it was the Dodgers ball game, 4-1, and the Dodgers pennant. So alright. Better get started and beat the crowd home. That stuff in the ninth inning? That didn't mean anything. A single by Al Dark. A single by Don Mueller. Irvin's pop-up. Lockerman's one-run double. Now the corniest possible sort of Hollywood schmaltz, stretcher bearers plodding away with an injured Mueller between them, symbolic of the Giants themselves. There went Newcomb and here came Ralph Bronca. Who's at bat? Thompson again? He beat Bronca with a home run the other day. Would Charlie dress and order him walked, putting the winning run on base, to pitch to the dead-end kids at the bottom of the batting order? No, Bronca's first pitch was called a strike. The second pitch, well, when Thompson reached first base he turned and looked toward the left field stance. Then he started jumping straight up in the air, again and again. Then he trotted around the bases, taking his time. Ralph Bronca turned and started for the clubhouse. The number on his uniform looked huge. 13. Joe Bosch. 